Guys, welcome, welcome to my first episode of my brand new podcast, Mommy Jojo Uncut Mojo Injection. And that's what I want to do. I want to boost you up with some mojo when it can be so prone to going for a walk or a marathon. Life can be tough. It ain't easy. But what makes it harder is when we focus on words like normal and trying to put on a performance and come across like everything is okay when it really isn't. Mental health impacts us all. So we need to start talking more openly about things. It's time for more voices, more kindness, less judging, judge less, live more, start to see things from a different perspective. And I want to do that, which starts with being really honest. We've got some incredible guests over the next 10 weeks or so. And I was thinking about who I wanted to have on, on episode one, and it has to be one of my all-time heroes. Many of you will know him as Hubs. And many of you will ask, does he mind you being so honest? Well, I guess, shall we ask him? He's a legend. He's going to be bearing his soul on this episode, and I have so much respect. Seriously, though, because men's mental health is huge at the moment, and I was actually slightly nervous with some of the questions that I've prepared well, I'm preparing to ask you and we're going to discuss and I'm surprised at how open you're prepared to be. Maybe you are a prince. I try my best, darling. <laughs> Maybe a king. A king, yeah, okay. <laughs> let's not push it. Let's Maybe not, a prince. Let's not push it. But we are, I mean, okay, the first 10 minutes, five to 10 minutes are going to be covering quite a heavy topic. But I think we need to get out there because it's a huge part of mental health. And we're going to have fun. We're going to sing karaoke. We're going to we're going to get deep, baby. Um, Mum, I don't know. I don't know if you should listen to all of this, but no, you can listen to some of it. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. Couldn't have thought of a better first guest. So You're very welcome, darling. Yeah. It's an absolute pleasure. Yeah. And um, do you know? Oh, I forgot. The kids wanted to say hi before we go. Oh. Guys, come here. Come here. Kids. Hi guys, have you lost your mojo? Mojo Jojo. Are you going to help them get it? Yeah, definitely. Be over to help you find your mojo. Even though you're five? Yeah, or even though I'm five. Well listen, I'm going to send you around for some playtime because Daddy and I have got some very important discussions to have for this podcast. And it's probably a bit long. It's more adult chat but it's very important stuff. And you've got really important play to have, haven't you? Yeah, it, my cousin is. Have the best time, babe. Play, yes. play, play, and get that mojo in check, yeah? I got yeah. you, babe. So, Hubs, um, I think it's going to be quite clear after this discussion how comfortable you are with us being so open and honest. And we're going to chat a lot about a lot of stuff, including seven-year rich, relationships, parenting, mental health. I thought we could start off with just a proper taboo topic, which is addiction. And it's something everyone struggles with to a certain extent. You have quite an addictive personality. And back in 2009, we had a really tough time when I realized that you had a gambling addiction. And yeah, it was scary. It was really scary. But what I've learned and all the study and the research I've been doing, especially getting the book finished, is that every addiction starts with a positive intention so can you think what your positive intention could have been positive intention 
I don't know, I guess with gambling, um, it was just a, I suppose it's a distraction. Initially, there is no, you know, I, I suppose the first time I gambled, I was quite young. I was maybe I don't know, 12 or something like that. Uh, and at that time, it was just putting a pound in a machine just to have fun, see if you could win a few quid, and it's no big deal. Uh, but then, obviously, later in life, when I had a little bit more money and uh, well, more money to lose, it became a bit more of an issue. Um, at that point, maybe when I was about 18 or so, uh, I could go to the machines quite regularly and lose all the money that I made that week, um, which was obviously awful. And that happened every week for a while. I'm not sure what the positive intention was to that. I guess it's when it's an addiction, it's it's just grabbing you, so it's it's sort of forcing you to go and do it. You you almost feel like you have no choice. It's it's very similar to smoking addiction, the gambling addiction, in that when you're addicted to smoking, you feel like you have to smoke. It's not an option. It's not. It's like putting petrol in your car. It's like you have to you have to have a cigarette that day. You feel there's no option. And with gambling, it was the same. It was like if you walk past the machine shop, you felt like you had to go in, and there there was no option not to. And obviously, when you look back, you realise that that's absolutely crazy on both counts. You, know, you don't have to smoke and you don't have to gamble. And they can both be really damaging to your health, mental health, smoking your physical health, and then, you know, your life and people around you. So, I don't know. I mean, the, the gambling thing was really, really bad for a while. And it, it did have control over me for a wee bit. Uh, the main thing I'd suggest to other people on that, I guess you have to try and, obviously there's a lot of help out there, try and get help for yourself. Uh, ultimately, you're going to have to sort of rationalise it in your head. And for me, it was really, I guess we were together and then, you know, we're, I don't know, we're going to get married not that long and stuff and I was getting a wee bit older and when you start thinking realistically, you're never going to win. And like now I have kids and things, so it's, it's not even an option. So it's all about your sort of your, your attitude towards it, the way you change your thought process. Like now for me, gambling is not an option. Whereas before it was, there was no option not to. So it's once you've got that locked in your mind, it's kind of easy. But it's getting to that point where it's locked in your mind, that's, that can be very difficult. And if you have no things like, you know, you're getting married or you've got kids or whatever, it's kind of putting something in your head, you know, to, that makes it sensible not to do it. So whatever that may be for you, I don't know, for me it's stuff like that. Uh, but even just the fact that you're never going to win gambling. Even if you win at the start, you're always going to put it back in, you're always going to bet again. Ultimately you will lose, you know, so there's, there's no point. It's literally it's something that's just going to, eat away at you, eat away at your finances, you know, it allows you to not do things that you could otherwise do. So yeah, it's as with most addictions, it's just this sort of self-punishment. I don't know, I guess people do it for a lot of different reasons. Um, but now looking back, it's quite scary to think, you know, what a hold that had over me and what a hold it has over so many.
it was a really scary time and I could have just walked and not taken time to try and understand it. I did judge it at first. Judge Jojo was not living in a mojo. Um, and I judged mental health until it hit my family. I didn't understand. It's very easy for us to make judgment when we don't take time to understand it and understand people and our minds are all so precious and so different. Um, so part of this podcast and the book is to encourage people to try and not get inside someone else's head but just to have a bit more kindness um so yeah it, it starts with a positive intention and it can spiral out of control now there'll be lots of people tuning in that have struggled with addiction or perhaps just balance and i talk a lot about balance um and i use the example of food because i've never had the balance right and I've got some really powerful insights in the book. I've been on a serious journey behind the scenes this year. I remember saying to a friend a couple of years ago, I said, oh, I'll just always be the one that's a little bit overweight because that's just me. And she was sort of nodding because we've been best friends for what, 20 years or something. So to say, yeah, that's just the, the Jojo we know. You just love your food. And it's really got me thinking, why, why, why have I felt that I can't get in control of food and be able to wear that dress I want. What is, what's going on in my head? And uh, that's another podcast and a, ch a whole chapter of the book to find out about that. But if someone's listening and they're struggling with gambling addiction or alcohol addiction, it's all around us. We see it in the press, you know, um, and it often happens to the life. And so, you know, we make all these uh, assumptions about people and it needs, it needs to stop. So can you offer advice and hope to someone who is struggling with an addiction? And how did you ultimately overcome it? Well, I think for me, it was really making it not an option. So in terms of the gambling, for me now, it's there is no choice. So it's not a case of, you know, will I gamble today or won't I gamble today? Or, you know, maybe I will, or maybe I'll just have a small, uh, I don't know, a small pound or ten or whatever, 20 quid in the machine. It's not an option. So in my head, th there's a complete change. It's a total flip of the switch. There is no option now. Or the casino, for example. You know, I could go to the casino. It would be £20. You know, if it was like a lad's night out or whatever, very rare. Um, and that's fine. And it would be, that'd be it. But there's no option of, you know, the old school, which would be just hammer the card and put in a few hundred quid and lose. It just isn't an option. So for me, it's, it's really that switch in the brain. And that took a wee while to get sort of locked down. But it's, it's getting to that point where, you, you know, you're, you're telling yourself, if you got it in your head that you might, you probably will. You know, you need to have it in your head that you're not going to. It's, it's not an option. There's no possibility that this is going to happen. You know, it's just not happening. There's, there's absolutely no way. And that's how my brain is now. You know, it's sort of locked down into that. And I guess that's a long time of just telling yourself, you know, there's no way and rationalising in your head. Um, sort of looking back on what you've, you've done and thinking how stupid it is and then just locking that down. So I think if you can get to that place, you're sorted. But getting to that place, it does, well, it kind of took me a wee while. But I guess everybody's different. Whoa, Mama, that was intense. Uh, thank you for being so open and honest. And that was certainly a big taboo. So let me really lighten it a little bit. But you know me, I like to keep it real. Uh, there'll be no talking about the weather today. 
I think we should talk about trust now, right? Because we've been together, well, it'll be almost 10 years. Seven year rich. So seven year rich is when people are meant to be, woohoo, getting an on, um, and the temptations and all this stuff. So I think a big issue, and a lot of people write to me about trust in relationships and how they find it really hard to have it if they've had, you know, someone cheated on them or they've had tough times in the past. So... Yeah, let's talk about trust because I came with issues, you came with issues. Do you think time's a healer as well? Because they say, does it take half the time you're with a person to get over them? So they say, but I think also as you've been with me, then you would learn to trust me. So at the start, you might bring sort of scars from old relationships and think, oh, they're going to be like them and, you know, that's how somebody was. And maybe I did that to an extent as well. Mm -hmm. So then that's how this relationship's going to be and it's sort of normal to be like that. But then the longer you're with them, you realise, well, actually, no, they're, they're nothing like that person. They're a completely different person. Mm -hmm. And then you appreciate them for who they are. And so, obviously, with myself, you know, I've been completely trustworthy for the full whammy. And <laughs> always so. will be. <laughs> <Yeah>? <laughs> of course. And so, uh, you know, always happy and always will be. And that's just about learning. You know, you learn what new people are like. But it takes time. You know, you have to, like, to build a full trust and to build confidence to spend your life with somebody takes takes a long time but it's not easy it's a huge commitment it's a marathon and you're honest with me and always. You've, you've always been uh, the thing I say about you in the workplace you know you're doing really well in the corporate world too but I, I sometimes tell you like you're just a bit too honest you know uh, but I love it because I would know if something wasn't right which is great but if you see someone that's really attractive that you find attractive you'd be like oh she is gorgeous and you're, you're very open with me and not I as much lately do you think i don't have time uh, <laughs> to look at and like attractive women or whatever you know i just i, I don't have time but yeah in, in years gone by um maybe i'd say oh she's lovely or something like that but i think that's a confidence thing as well because you know it's you know you can look but not touch <laughs> so in that respect or you can dream baby <laughs> oh yeah but i mean well yeah yeah I mean, that's another story right but in terms of uh, i can't control your dreams i can't control what's going on in your head when you sleep <laughs> there's an hour insecurity there oh but dear. no i mean you know i occasionally might say something like that but now it's, it's so busy and i don't really you know i don't i'm more looking at things like little mix and you know like things that are coming out today now that i've got a wee girl i look in a totally different way like now i look at pop stars and movie stars and think get some clothes on and yeah. sort yourself out where's your jumper get your clothes on. like why are you wearing like a dress with see-through and no bra and no okay okay <laughs> well let's be positive okay <laughs> so obviously i had all these issues and you're a really indecisive guy so why did you decide to marry me because let's face it i wasn't very subtle i was kind of like um hint, hint, i'd love to get engaged that was probably after our third date i'm quite a passionate person sometimes i need reined in but it took you, was it two and a half years to pop the question? Um, yeah, it was about two and a half years, so what? No, nah, it wasn't that long. Well, yeah, it was. We got a promise ring pretty quick. Oh dear. That's uh, so we got a promise ring, mm -hmm. and then that was after not that long, that bought me a bit of time, mm -hmm. just to make sure everything was cushy. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, yeah, you you kind of maybe rush into things and mm -hmm. go in a bit I headstrong, whereas... Fancy. It, yeah, so maybe I take, maybe you go too quick, and I go... I take too long and so, you said to me ooh we're moving too fast once I don't think Scott said to me once I just think it's going a bit fast we'd only been together for a very short period of time yeah so my, my she's response, on about getting married it was like come well, on well the thing is people that follow me on Insta stories know me really well now and um, they know that I 
fits everything with a song and that will be the theme of this podcast and so everyone that's planned to come on and speak be prepared but yeah when he said that I thought I'm just gonna I was quite hurt but I thought I'll make light of it so I started singing for the rest of the night oh we're moving too fast (laughs) and winding him up and he actually quite enjoyed the banter and as a result as a result didn't dump me well you know it worked out as obviously really well Uh, but at the start yeah I mean it was I guess we we moved quite quickly um, and then we kind of slowed things down a wee bit and yeah we were, like, we were obviously compatible and you know well look at where we are now so it was definitely the right decision for both of us well we have made it far okay it's 10 years since our first date on April 7th and we've been married well it'll be 7 year itch this year so I'm very mindful of that 7 year itch okay it's just a saying well I know right but how can we ensure the 7 year itch if it's just a saying or whether you believe it doesn't pull us apart what can we do keep our relationship in check well you just got to make sure that you're there for each other you help each other out you know when say your your partner wants you to help them with their podcast you know something like that (laughs) Uh, you're there for them and it works both ways so it's just not taking each other for granted Um, trying to spend time as a couple and not just a family because once you've got kids as I'm sure everyone knows it's pretty difficult to have couple time which we have not enough of probably mm-hmm. so trying to maybe make a bit more of that uh, but I guess it's you know just trying to make each other happy and focus on each other as well as yourself yeah do you know someone said to me though oh I think opposites attract which is great and in many ways we're opposite and in many ways we're similar and I do think some people have a really good balance but I once heard someone say oh but wouldn't it be nice if we just were more like each other wouldn't life be so much easier and that's when you start comparing and you see the couples on Instagram and you think oh you make all these stories in your head they must be happier than us or people say to us you're the perfect couple and we don't know that we're just having a row and trying to sort it out I mean with the opposites it's tricky I think it's a daily battle like for example with you you're a really tidy person and you don't get that sometimes I just want to live in a bit of chaos and focus on other things I could leave the dishes for an hour and it's not going to hurt me whereas someone like yourself and I think there's the camp I think you're either in one camp or the, the other you either can't go and sit at the desk and do work until all the dishes are clear or you can you'll get it done that day but not straight away and I'm the not straight away person and you're the get it done right now I cannot focus in a messy house a hundred percent there is a camp of people right you're listening right now which camp are you in we are opposites in that way and I think sometimes it's hard to compromise because I want to chill sometimes and you like to chill after the cleaning so I think you get your way most of the time though if you're here but how do we work around something like that because so many couples struggle with it well it's good to have differences if you were the same it would be boring so you know they say opposites attract I wouldn't say we're opposites but obviously I think no people are the same really Mm -hmm. everyone's got their differences so ours are sort of the cleaning and (laughs) you know that's obviously a big one you're messy I'm not Mm -hmm. or maybe like being on time you're total frantic about not being late but that's just because we've been together so long you know like you find these things you know I mean if you met somebody for a month maybe a year if you never lived with somebody a couple of years you might not know all these things about each other and you think oh it's happy days this Mm -hmm. is fine Mm -hmm. you know they're they're absolutely perfect Mm -hmm. and then suddenly you live with them and you're like oh man the house is an absolute hole Mm -hmm. and like you know they're rushing me out the door and whatever Mm -hmm. you know and vice versa or they're too clean like one of them they just want me to clean up all the time (laughs) so it depends 
everyone's got their differences and it's really just about trying to grow together mm-hmm. and maybe meet each other halfway sometimes mm-hmm. you know and look out for each other and try not to make it cause too much of an issue mm-hmm. but I think it's natural I think everybody argues you know everybody has conflict it wouldn't be natural you can't spend a lot of time with someone for you know many many years and not have a bunch of arguments you know it's totally normal I think it would be weird if you didn't so in fact if people, anybody says they don't yeah, I, I would say. say they're talking absolute key like if you say that say you've been married for 10 years and you're like oh we've got such a lovely marriage we just never argue I mean I'd say that's false I think everybody does. I think they're lying. Are you putting on a performance? If well, you're one of those people, please drop a comment um, or, or let me know. If you are one of those people that never argues and you think you've got the best relationship in the world, I selective want to memory. hear. I want to hear. Selective um, memory. So you block things out that you know you may have a big ruck in the morning and then you have a lovely afternoon and then you just forget about the ruck in the morning. That's not a bad way to live. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, you know, it's, it's nice not to focus on those things. Mm-hmm. But the truth is that everybody in that situation argues. See, because I'm such a, as people dub me, the positive one. And as I say, it used to be something I was really embarrassed about. And I'm trying to fight against those voices. And we talk about this a lot in my book, the voices shutting them up. And one of them for me is like, oh, you know, happy, happy, happy. It's fine. I'm happy. It's great. But it's trying to rise above. So when you're nagging at me, it's me trying to be really positive and be like an eagle that soars and, and doesn't quack. But it can be so hard to quack. So you would quack about cleaning and I would quack about getting out of the house because we have to be on time. That stresses me so much. The messy house stresses you so much. So we're quackers when we really care about something. And for me, I'm really trying to not quack as much. But that can take planning sometimes to not be a quacker. It can take, whether that's, packing up 10 minutes earlier or whether it's you kind of sweet talking me a little bit more so I'm more likely to do the cleaning um, or <laughs> or helping me out doing the podcast or proofreading a chapter and saying right I've helped you could you just put that pile of clothes away that's actually giving me palpitations which it, it does Scott will sleep in the spare room if I've got too many clothes we're very lucky that, that we've got a spare room I'm aware of couples that would we would love that because I do love the spare room yeah, the bed's not a patch, but it does the job. Well, you have been in the spare room a fair bit. And I remember I used to judge couples, right? So a lot of another thing we speak about in the book is judgment. I think when we judge people and we make assumptions and we listen to these negative voices, that pulls us away from our mojo, okay? And with Scott, you know, he's... I've had friends do the same kind of... have the same judgmental reactions that I used to have about people that told me we sleep in separate bedrooms sometimes. It's been an absolute godsend for us. You know, oh, yeah. If Charlie's through in the night, um, if Scott's got a headache and he can't handle me fidgeting. Now, I'm not I'm not for it all the, t- all the time, and sometimes it's nice just to be lying in bed together. It might end in some kind of hot action that we've not planned. Um, it's good to be spontaneous. I love a cuddle. It's good to be close. It's good to talk. It's nice to read in bed together at night and to have all that stuff. But I don't think your relationship's unhealthy if you enjoy sleeping in separate beds sometimes. Totally normal. I think it's been yeah, it's been an absolute savior having the wee spare bed. I think until you're in situations you don't really understand. So before you like before you have kids, for example, you think yeah, you think oh that's weird. Like how can people sleep in separate beds? But then once you have kids, you got a kid coming through in your bed. Suddenly there's three in there, and if that happens a lot you know you're absolutely knackered so if you know one of you just gets out goes to if you've got that you know like possibly a place to go you can go to the other bed get comfy in there and then 
one of you sleeps with the kid, the other one gets their own bed. You both, you know, everyone wakes up. They're not too narky. Mm-hmm. Um, before you're in the situations, it's very easy to cast aspersions, right? And you think, oh, that's I can't believe they're doing that. Mm-hmm. But then when you're in it, you're like, it's amazing. You know, this is the business. I mean, I've been thinking about getting two single beds and getting rid of the no king single. Size. I, I would like to get a super king bed with a nice grey tweed headboard really funky mm. well violet's the color of this year and it's going to be based as i told you i'm getting a tattoo next month you mentioned it yeah um so violet there's going to be a lot of violet themes in my book and my mom's called violet we've got bonnie violet um violetta violet wallpaper anyway i'm but I'm two totally single beds would be the business like see if you oh, had two single beds right not big enough. no but you push them together then you get your own duvet mm-hmm. right so you get your, you get your two single beds push them together so you can still have your cuddles at night mm-hmm. you know you still do what you need to do and then once you know you want to go to sleep, you just shimmy over to your side. No stealing the covers, you know, no encroaching in your space. Because I'm quite a light sleeper, obviously. So any movement you make, we've got this like nice duvet that I got for Joanne for, uh, I think oh, it's for don't Christmas. Call me Joanne. Joanne, even on this, and, uh, you know, it's, just call me like Jojo. Joanne's or, a lovely, a lovely name. Right, well, uh, feel free to comment on the name, book. guys. Read chapter one of my book, and you'll understand why. Okay. Okay. Right. Um, let's move on. Raising kids can be an incredible blessing in terms of marriage and relationships and trying to work to stay together as well because you've so much more to work for you've got people relying on you um and it's not always easy to do that but we're sticking on in for now (laughs) what do you find is the hardest thing about being a dad being a dad Mm -hmm. uh the hardest thing is probably just worrying about your kids you just want your kids to be safe um you want your kids to be safe you want them to be happy um, so it's just making sure that you're you're doing the best are you being the best dad you know everyone's sort of doubts themselves so you know I try and do the best for my kids every day try and make sure that most things are sort of for them but then at the same time you don't want to spoil them it's kind of finding the balance I think everybody I think when you have kids I always imagined that when I'd have kids like looking at my dad there'd be a, a switch that went off almost mm-hmm. so it's like you know when you become a dad you change automatically and then I would be this different person and I would kind of see life in a different way and I'd have like daddy powers, mm-hmm. you know, like, like, cause my, you know, you look at your dad like this, like hero, like God almost, you know, he is your God really at that stage, you know, when you're, when you're really young, uh, but that didn't happen. You know, I had, we had the kids and then I was exactly the same person the next day. And that was a bit of a shock to me, you know, I was like, woof, uh, like what's going on there? And so we are, you're constantly, and it's made me appreciate my dad more as well, even even more than I did before. Mm-hmm. Because now I realise that even though he's 68, I mean, he's still just trying his best every day and he's no different from me. But when you're little, you know, you don't understand that. You just think your dad's superhero and he can do anything. And, you know, I expected to feel like that and I didn't feel like that. So I think I am a good dad and I do my best, you know, every day like by the kids and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, there was no magic switch. So I tell that when I find out like my friends are pregnant or having a baby now, you know, I usually tell them like, you know, it's, it's amazing. It's the most amazing thing. But, you know, you, you don't really change in that respect. You, your life changes, but you don't suddenly change. You're not suddenly, your priorities change and things like that. But you don't suddenly get these powers or, you know, like, I don't know, like fatherly, I don't know, special mm-hmm. gifts. You know, you, you just keep doing your thing. So it's really just striving to, to do the best and make sure that they're they're happy. And Yeah, one thing my mum yeah. will say a lot is, do you know how lucky you are? Because you do not um, adhere to the stereotypes. Um, and things are changing there. I think dads are a lot more hands-on, okay? And you are 
incredibly hands-on and I think that's probably to do with control because you do like you're a wee bit of a control freak in ways and you like to know what's going on would you say yeah but I mean I just like spending time with my kids so mm -hmm. they're just watching it mm -hmm. I enjoy like what my sort of happiest time is just spending time with you and the kids mm -hmm. so if it's you know if you were to put my ideal day my ideal day would just be having a family day mm -hmm. and just chilling out because life's really quite busy mm -hmm. and so you know like we're going away for a few days quite soon um, and like being away for a few days just as a family mm -hmm. we'll probably want to kill each other a few times <laughs> but all in all that is my favourite time Embracing mm -hmm. um, the madness of family living Yeah exactly so you know maybe there is a wee bit of control in there but I enjoy it like I enjoy doing everything with the kids you know since they were babies doing their nappies and whatever mm -hmm. and I'm like go for it babe like if you uh, want to do the nappy and control the way it's fastened I'm so happy to let you let it slide yeah, and I don't think that's all guys like I'm not like a man's man if you like I do go to the gym every day and you know I work out I'm quite physically I like to think quite strong mm -hmm. but I'm not you know like a sort of man's man like I'm not cleaning that nappy I'm not doing that or make the you know clean the dishes I'm not making the tea mm -hmm. uh, I think of myself yeah like modern man and I think a lot of men are you know maybe more like that but definitely not all they're still there's still mixed. some kind of old school stereotypical yeah, dads out there. Yeah, depends on your dad as well. You know, like my dad was quite hands on. Mm -hmm. That's probably got a big, big impact too. You know, mm -hmm. like my dad, obviously, my mum wasn't very well when I was wee. Um, she suffered from depression, and so my dad kind of took the reins quite a lot in the house, and he did, you know, all the cooking, all the cleaning. He looked after me, took me to school because my mum wasn't really able for a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. So because of that, I guess you know that's automatic for me. It's it's normal. Mm -hmm. you know for me to kind of want to do those things and do those things and I, I get great enjoyment from those things do you know that was another reason I wanted you to be first guest on here because you really get mental health and I think that's why you've encouraged me so much because when dad got sick and it was just the hardest thing ever to watch someone so full of life and love and oh the banter with dad remember the great first bands. time you met him he was yeah. just like instantly bested me it's like he's probably the best father-in-law you could ask for really yeah it was not a hard meeting at all it was very good uh, first time you meet your uh, your girlfriend's dad was quite a scary time but that couldn't have been easy uh, that was really good went in he got me the beers uh, he sat me down you know no bother had a nice chat and we've been the same ever since yeah uh, we've always got on really well apart from when he got sick and was, yeah it was harder then and the thing is you understand mental um, health so when I was struggling you were helping me make sense of what was going on um, because you get it because unfortunately you were quite young when your mum was diagnosed as bipolar and that was a really really tough time for you and your dad and your poor mum and um, who thankfully is doing so much better now and my dad's the same it's, it's amazing to see things getting so incredibly bad I, there, there is hope for people out there no, oh, totally. Really yeah. yeah, like from my mum obviously made it, it definitely impacted on when your dad got ill. So mm -hmm. my mum was ill from when I was quite young. Uh, she was ill from when I was maybe, oh, I don't know, about eight or nine or something, something like that, a long, long time. So she's had depression for, or more even, maybe since I was about five or six, about 30 years, um, something like that on and off. And they tried different drugs and she's had ups and downs throughout those periods. I mean, a lot of hospital time and you know various things have happened 
um, which has been horrible. But she's she's had a decent bat since I've known you. Actually, she's not been too bad. No, do you think I'm, I'm bringing a little bit of <laughs> Maybe it's the mummy Jojo. Well, this influence. Uh, <laughs> so since that that period, there has been ups and downs again uh, throughout that period, and she's mm. she's you know went through bad times and good times. But overall, she's not been too bad uh, considering before that. I don't know, they had a guest test before and then obviously maybe that had a bit of pressure on her and she, I, I don't know, for whatever reason. But since she's retired and which coincided when we got together, uh, she's been a lot better. And so, yeah, I mean, that helped a lot. So when it came to your dad getting ill, I knew that, you know, like all we had to do with your dad, well, the main thing we had to do with your dad was just make sure that he knew that we were, we were going to be there no matter what. So even when he's pushing you away, mm-hmm. which he did, mm-hmm. you know, that That's it's horrible. not it's not like him pushing you away. So mm-hmm. you just have to remember that. It's the illness. Yeah, exactly. So your dad, we'd go and see him every day. I think we went to see him well, pretty much every day. Or, or on the weekends in the hospital, but we saw him as much as we could. Yeah. He didn't want us and to And a wee go. bit during the week. Yeah. Uh, we'd go at night time sometimes. But yeah, he, he would always say, oh, don't come and see me. And that's because at that time in his head, he thinks he's worthless. So he's telling him, well, the illness is telling him all the time, you know, you're not worth it. You're not worth it. Don't, you know, let these people see you because you're just going to bring them down you don't deserve to see them you know it's all these sort of irrational thoughts negative thoughts mm-hmm. but that's not your dad that's just the depression you know that is the illness talking mm-hmm. so it's really it can be really really difficult to sort of see through that and to push through if you're going to see somebody and they're saying you know go away or sometimes your dad just he just wouldn't talk to us he would just would sit there and he'd say nothing and he'd look grumpy as if why are you here and then you'd leave and he'd be like oh I'll see you you know next week and he'd be like don't bother kind of thing but you knew that as long as you had, you know, if you were to do that and take note of what he's saying, mm-hmm. it would, he probably wouldn't have got better. I mean, you need to understand, you know, you need to understand that the people that love you most, that are around you, are going to be there for you no matter what. Even when it's tempting to walk away because it's so frustrating to see someone so full of life just be, have it sucked out of them through yeah. their mental health. It's not a pleasurable experience when you go and see them in that situation they're kind of there you know they're so down they've got no conversation for you they, they basically don't want you to be there but then so the goal what you have to do is you have to go you go in and you say how you doing you know and then you try and just talk as if nothing you know as if it's normal mm-hmm. so you, you have the same conversations like you say me and your dad always got on really well and so i go in and just speak to him as normal how you doing you know what's happening right talk about this talk about that and you wouldn't get much feedback but then gradually and you know Fortunately, with your dad, it wasn't actually that long a period of time, you know, that it went on for. Mm-hmm. I mean, comparable to my mum, it was long enough. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, it could have gone on for a lot longer. Mm-hmm. He, we went and seen him, and you would gradually see little improvements. Mm-hmm. And it's so encouraging just seeing anything, mm-hmm. you know, and that just got better and better. And, I mean, now your dad's fantastic. It's you know, he's, it's a different man. It's, well, it's like the same man that was there before the illness happened. And that's been that's been inspirational to see because your dad obviously your dad's blind as well and he's not you know an easy life in many respects which is so positive despite having you know losing his eyesight when he was 19 dad is one of the positive people and i have to give him a lot of credit for people dubbing me as that positive sparkly person that yeah the critics sometimes can't stand but as i say i no longer care which is why i've written this book and launched this podcast to help people that are struggling to help people get a little bit of a mojo boost and i would say i mean how do you nourish your mental health do you want to tell people me Mm -hmm. um 
Well, I think for me, like it's I do things like it's what notice what works for you. So for me, I like exercise. So I go to the gym. You know, I think that's quite a well-known thing. Is exercise is good for you? You know, releases natural serotonin, uh, all that sort of thing. It increases your serotonin levels, releases endorphins. And I so, think if you follow me, you'll know I'm in David Lloyd gym more than Trump's on his Twitter account. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, she loves the gym. Though. So for me, that's you know that's what works. But I guess it's finding what works for you. So everybody's different. You know, that's maybe not going to work for everybody. But for me, it's if I go to the gym kind of every day, like even if we go on holiday for a couple of weeks, after a few days, I'm kind of itching to go for a run or, you know, go and use the weights or whatever, which I've never done years ago. Um, but I do now. So doing that, trying to make sure that you've got a decent work-life balance. Mm-hmm. So fortunately, I've got a job that allows me to kind of spend a lot of time with you guys mm-hmm. and the kids and stuff. I think that's really important, you know, and doing what you love. And I mean, I love my family, so for me, that's kind of that's what I love. But if you love, you know, tennis or you love football or whatever you love, um, I think that's that's what you want to be trying to do. You know, try and make sure that you're getting the time to spend doing the things that you enjoy. Because if you're not, then you're naturally going to be a wee bit, you know, it's it's not going to work for you. You're not in your full mojo flow. Yeah, you're not in your flow. Like my mum, for example, like she goes through periods where she kind of does nothing. And she's like, I've got no energy. And I'm like, well, you're sitting on the couch all day. Like, what do you expect? You know, you can So now she's started to walk around the block just with a dog. And she's quite old, you know, 67. So it's not obviously going to be going to the gym. But, you know, she can go in for little walks with the dog and try and just increase your activity um, and do things. You know, if you're sitting doing nothing and you're giving yourself time to think, 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 then it's quite easy to think in a spiral of negativity, perhaps. But if you're doing things, you know, that you enjoy, you're kind of encouraging positivity in your mind uh, and then that's then you know you kind of bounce off others as well so spend your time with people that make you feel positive you know that's good that's kind of you know people that will encourage you to do what you want to do is also good you know you, you sort of it can be quite infectious mm-hmm. uh, so you say you know like it's frowned upon to be happy or whatever or some people look down on that but in another aspect you sort of you sponge off people that are happy you know it can be quite happy people say that to me quite a lot you know you're like come on guys right let's go and do this let's go and do that and if you g them up you know you kind of you feed off that it's infectious mm-hmm. it's all about having the mojo glow it's, it's all about the, the mojo reason glow. That i've come into this whole mojo thing and been hashtagging it and it's coming into the book and the podcast because it rhymes with jojo oh well yeah it does but um a friend my one of my best friends jen who's currently in dubai she said to me last summer she said, Jojo, you have seriously got your mojo at the moment, girl. And I thought, oh, really? I didn't think I'd lost it. But what she was trying to say is right now, I'm just buzzing. And it, it really is since I've started doing this whole wellness and, and trying to help others. When you try and help others, it gives you such a buzz. And being the, the thing about the Mummy Jojo Uncut is it's brutally honest. And a lot of people say, just... Does your hubs almost said his real name there? Um, does your hubs not mind you being so brutally honest about him and your life? Why don't you care? Why are you so confident about me being able to, to share? I'm happy as long as you're happy, darling. And by doing what you're doing, you know it does seem to make you happy. And I think that you're what you know. I'm proud of what you're doing because uh, a lot of the things that you do kind of help other people, and that's one of the main kind of focuses of it. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm happy for you to do that. I know you would, you know, you're only gonna say what's real in our life. So I don't, you know, and I'm very honest as you've I don't mentioned. Tell them, you know, I don't tell them 
really intimate details and if you were to say something in confidence say about work or your health I'm not just going to go and broadcast it on Instagram stories so I'll make it clear that you know I know a lot of uh, people's secrets and I don't share them I share my own stuff but I think the everyday stuff you don't really mind me talking about no I don't mind I, I mean I'm quite an open person so the fact that you you're like that you know and you kind of share that on your blog and everything that's fine you know if that's works for you then it's good for me another thing you've not been actually is you used to get really like narky at the time of the time of the month mm -hmm. and uh, you've not actually been that bad the past few months mm. quite a few months now so I don't know if that's part of this as well but you went through a period where you were an absolute nightmare for about a week mm. well, any, any of the guys out there will know what I'm talking about right? and uh, honestly it's like it is horrendous. like you know you're going to download tinder that night because i'm so bad so bad uh, so just, bad I'm now just... you just want to run away and hide in a wee <laughs> box somewhere i don't know you don't want to come home because you know so that went on for about probably about a week oh, uh, no, at a time. probably three days was it close to a week but for I've a while changed it. I, 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 do you know what's changed it's i've been weird, practicing yeah. mindfulness right and when, when I spoke at the Edinburgh Wellbeing Festival, which I'll be talking at with the book next year, um, yeah, that's the plans. So I um, bounced off a lot of, I met some phenomenal people, some of them will be speaking on this podcast soon, um, and just learning from them, the books they've been reading, the way they live their life, how they have some quiet time, and it's for busy people, because I'm running around daft, um, and I'm a busy mom and trying to get the hubs of dinner on the table and pack, put those piles of clothes away um, <laughs> but yeah it's, when you did that yeah well <laughs> i did some last night uh -huh. and there may be a little pile just now but podcast is is more important to me than putting clothes away because picks to come if this message helps one person i mean my clothes putting them away is not really going to make a fundamental difference to anyone's life but this advice could my and, life uh, yeah i know but let's face it <laughs> this stuff we're talking about is pretty heavy um, and we're trying to do it in a, as real and raw but light-hearted and relatable way as we can which will be the same with every podcast and every chapter and every blog so yeah thank you very much it's been amazing having you on it's been is that it? is that yeah. all my questions um i think you're not so. delving any deeper than that well we could delve a little bit deeper no that's fine uh, no it's been we, a pleasure have we, have we missed any really big chunks i can get you on again we could do like a quarterly hubs update on our marriage because <laughs> let's face it it's the same year out we're celebrating our 10 years we could do like this a, may be the last we could do a, a quarterly because one of the things i'm going to be doing and um, long term is, is keynote talks about marriage and about uh, nurturing relationships so that they do glow um and using real life examples and, and how we work on our marriage and how we we keep talking and sharing and, and things like that even if we're not in the same bed every night um, how things like how we schedule in time to, you know, be together, dun, 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 and all that sort of stuff. So you know, I'm happy to do that. It's going to be something I'll be focusing on in the future. Um, the kids are getting older. I'm not going to want to say too much about them soon. Um, they are in the magical age where they don't care. They are living their life, and it's amazing to see. But I know that will change. So the course of my uh, work will be changing, the content will change and evolve with our life and our family. So yeah, um, the most important question is, what's your favourite karaoke song? My favourite karaoke song? Uh, it would probably have to be Craig David <laughs> um, or Usher. 
but oh, he used to sing that to me when we first got together. Which one? Both. Both, both absolute corkers. How would you feel about singing it for us all now? Craig David? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd feel all right. Let's do it. Can you fill me in? Come on. Can you fill me in? Let's stop what you want to Yeah. Can you fill me in? Let's talk about it. I was checking this girl next door and her parents went out She phone say, hey boy, come on right around So we knock on the door, we're standing with a bottle of red wine ready to pour Dressed in long black satin, lace to the floor Thank you Craig David, I mean hugs And thank you so much to everyone else uh, who's tuned in, who's been here with us for some proper real chat I'm knackered now, fool um, so give us a rating if you enjoyed it, if it connected with you so more people can find us, perhaps people that need some tips and um, hook us up. Mummy Jojo Uncut, anytime there'll be another podcast coming your way soon here at Mummy Jojo Uncut Mojo Injection. Much love. You may have lost your mojo. It's okay, cause I have lost mine too. Have you lost your mojo? It's okay, cause I am here with you. Cause I got issues, you got them too. So let's be honest here, I think we are full too. Bask in the glory of all the problems. Cause we need to love more judgeless so we solve them i got issues sometimes we just need someone to talk to